mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Outpouring. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 33, and verses 37 through 38. Here now, Pastor Moody. Over in the feast that Moses prescribed, it was also called first fruits, that there would be a feast called Pentecost where they would offer to God the first fruit of the harvest. And it's noteworthy that the the Holy Ghost was poured out on that day, empowering the church to go out into the harvest. Can you say amen? So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not just the 12, but the 12 plus the other about 108. There was about 120, can you say amen? And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout Jews, devout men, uh, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, ah, even early Pentecostals were noisy. When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Now we hear every man uh, in our own tongue wherein we were born. Verse 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What's this mean? What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose. They're drunk, but not like you think. Amen. Seeing it's but the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That word interprets there, preach. Speak the word forth, the word of the Lord. And your young men shall also see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and upon my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and the vapor of smoke. These all things that will take place in the last days. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come, before Jesus returns. And it shall come to pass during this time that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands and have crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden or held by it. For David, speaking concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither suffer thine holy one to see corruption." Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher with, with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with him an oath that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, and his flesh did not see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Verse 37, when they heard this, They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, men, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow. There's so much more there I wanted to read, but I'm just for time's sake, I'm going to preach. God began to deal with me about the importance of Pentecost I could preach all day and not tell it all, but I know we can't handle that, so I'll just preach the things that I feel like the Lord really impressed me to preach. And I want to preach, if I may, for a little while simply on the outpouring, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your spirit, your anointing, your gifts, for what you've done, what you're already doing, and what you're going to do. You're the same yesterday Today and forever, Jesus, according to Hebrews 13 and 8, you're still the Savior. You're still the deliverer of the Lord, the healer, the baptizer, and the Holy Ghost. And we trust you emphatically and completely today. Let your will be done. Let us receive all that God has. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. My intent today with this message is not to put pressure on anybody. It's not to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I'm not here today to argue doctrine. I'm just here to preach the Word of God. And I begin to think like this, Pentecost, when you say it, almost certainly causes some kind of response. What we've just read about was the day of Pentecost. It was the where and when the church was born, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost set the pattern for the church age. 
for the age of the spirit, if you would. The last day. It'll come to pass, Joel said. In the last day, which means the last dispensation. The last age that God would work with man through the church that was saved and spirit-filled and led of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told his disciples, when the spirit comes, you'll go about and do greater things than I did. Simply meaning that he had the Holy Ghost and he did powerful things, but he was one man in one place. God intended for a church to be like Jesus, filled with the Spirit, to go about healing the sick, raising the dead. In the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. Preaching the gospel, casting out devils, saving the multitudes from a generation of sin and unbelief. God's purpose for the church has never changed. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he said, and lo, I'm with you always. In other words, if you involve yourself in this, I'll be with you and I'll give you a favor. I started to think about uh, if I could... Put this sermon in a sentence. What, 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 what's my thesis? What am I, I going to say today? I hope to say, let the Holy Ghost fill you and change your life. Change you from the mundane to the powerful. Change you from the powerless to the effective. Change you from being just somebody who got saved and wants to go to heaven. Isn't that pretty selfish? Oh, I got saved, I'm going to heaven, don't bother me. No, God saved you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to become discipled, to become equipped, to learn to be a soul winner, to go out and win the lost, amen, to take authority over the devil and pull down the strongholds of Satan over our society. It does us no good to complain about the sin of Madison County when we've got the power to break it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, Pentecost changed everything. I mean it, it messed everybody up. It changed everything. It changed everybody involved. It started something that has never stopped. It started something that day that's just as strong as it ever was. God ripped the veil. And where only one man could go once a year, now everybody could come anytime into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and experience God's Holy Spirit. I, mean, I need to mention this. He's not an it. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's God as much as Jesus is. He's God as much as the Father is. Can I get a witness? There's one God eternally existed in three persons. And they taught me in school one plus one plus one is three. But theology says Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one. Can you say amen, somebody? And so I begin to look at, at what Pentecost really meant. And uh, uh, I want to say this, it upset a lot of things. Established religion of the day was shaken to its core. A new covenant was established. Satan was rendered powerless to overcome God's church. Pentecost came with noise. It came with fire. 
It came with conviction. I, I don't know who wrote the song, Blessed Quietness, but it's all right. But it wasn't what Pentecost was. And when I say Pentecost, I'm not talking about a denomination. I want to tell you, every church started out as a Pentecostal church. Every Baptist church, every Methodist church, every church of God. Because in that day, there wasn't all those labels. There was one blood-bought, born-again, sanctified church waiting in an upper room that got baptized in the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and they all spoke in tongues. Can you shout amen, somebody? Hallelujah. So I started looking at Pentecost and I said it came with noise and power and fire. I remember a story that Jim Hansen told me. Now, Jim's not here, but how many knows Jim always has a story to tell? And Jim was telling us one day this week that when he was a young man, he was in Ohio, uh, and there was a tornado that hit in that area, and, and I think it wiped out Xenia, Ohio. The, the city was, was flattened. This was in the 70s, and Jim was up in that area doing some work with the company. Him and, and another man were sharing a room together and then another fellow that was their boss that was recently married him and his wife were in the next room and he said the tornado came the sirens were going off and he said suddenly there was a sound and he said I've always heard this depiction but it's exactly like it was he said it sounded like a freight train roaring right through that hotel and he said the tornado came and just as it got to where they were thank God it lifted up and it went overhead, but he said the roar was deafening. And then when it touched down, it wiped out everything in its past. And I read here in your hearing, it said suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And I shouted it was the tornado of God's power. He come to destroy everything of man's imagination and thought. He come to tear down everything that man had established. Amen. This is not a new message. John said repent and don't think to say within yourselves that because we're Jews and have Moses law we can stand he said because today the axe is laid to the root of the tree I'm going to tell you living for God now Jesus told the woman at the well he said that they was when she said we worship in one place and the Jews in another he said but the time's coming when the real worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth do you understand Pentecost wasn't something up, uh, you know, that, that, that we ought to be bickering about today. Pentecost was God's power to come and change man's hopelessness into a relationship of vibrant anointing and presence of a living God, living not just in the church, but in your heart. Hallelujah. If you believe that, give him praise. <laughs> glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Let me, let me, let me I, I said to myself, I was going to preach all dignified today, but I'm just going to preach. Hallelujah. And uh, Peter had been a fisherman who had followed Jesus for three and a half years. He had been impetuous. He'd said a lot of things and boasted a lot of things. But the night that Jesus was arrested, he failed miserably. Amen. Yet on this day, Peter was different. Remember, he cursed a few nights before and denied even knowing Jesus. But today, he stands up 
filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with fire. Amen. Come out of that upper room talking in tongues. Heard the sound, felt the wind, experienced a revelation. Jesus had said to Peter, when you're converted, when you're changed. He was already saved. Are you hearing me? One man said, well, they didn't, they wasn't saved till they spoke in tongues. I don't teach that. I teach you're saved the minute you repent of your sin and put faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross and confess him as Lord and Savior. Paul said, you believe with the heart, you confess with the mouth. Somebody ought to shout you're saved. And the Bible said the Holy Spirit comes in, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. We call that regeneration. But something else happened to Peter. He got baptized. He got changed. He come out of there different. He stood up and preached one sermon. Dear God, this sermon I read to you, perhaps one of the most impressive and eloquent and effective messages in the entirety of the Word of God. And when he got done 3,000 got saved was anybody hearing what I'm telling you I want to say this 3,000 got saved I got to studying and thinking about Jews from all over the world Jerusalem was a great thriving metropolis maybe as many as 100,000 visitors were in that city that day and only 3,000 listen 97,000 walked away if that was the correct numbers but the good news is it wasn't finished it was just the beginning. It was 5,000 another day. It was signs and wonders and miracles and healings and power. And then God added to the church daily. And the Bible said the number of the saints was multiplied. I'm telling you, we need a Pentecost to win the world. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. I promised myself I was going to settle down and preach. Let me try Matthew 3 and 11. Listen, John said, I indeed baptize you with water. Nobody has a problem with water baptism. Everybody agrees with that. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. Does anybody know who he is talking about? Jesus. Watch this. He shall baptize you. Woo. I, like to, I just love to say that. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, Jesus birthed the church in the upper room on fire. He's not coming back after one in a puff of smoke and a pile of cold ashes. He's coming back after a Holy Ghost field, fire baptized, energized, soul winning, praying, worshiping, praising, church that loves God more than they love life. Are you hearing me? That's what Pentecost will do to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, there's some valuable things Amen, I believe in this scripture that the church must at least recognize. I, I know that not everybody's going to accept what I preach and what we believe, and that's okay. I mean, not everybody's going to be Pentecostal just because of what they think Pentecostal is. Fella called me, and he's coming to sing tonight. Now, I'm going to give you all a heads up. He's a Baptist brother. And he loves the Lord. And I believe, he's, I believe he's, he's anointed. But we was talking on the phone. He never talked to me before. I said, now, you know we're a Pentecostal church. And he got a little suspect of me, I think. I said, but I just wanted to tell you 
That we, you know, we, we were talking about whether he would sing and I would preach or he'd just sing. And he, he said, whatever you say, Pastor, I'm there to serve you. And he just had the best spirit. And I said, well, you know, we'll just see how it goes. I said, you start singing, man, you get into this thing real good. And I'll just, I'll just tell you, go on with your bad self. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. And uh, he said, well, how are you going to do it? I said, well, it's just like this. I said, I'll have my worship leader get up and kick us off and start a few things going. And, and I said, when he gets done and we put the snakes up, I'll have you come up. <laughs> I heard a gasp on the other end. And then a long silence. <laughs> Isn't it sad that people have taken what God did? This is the promise of God. Jesus said, it's the promise of the Father. Joel said, thus saith God, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. In that upper room on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came with a rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues of fire. It, somebody said, why we got fire today? Well, praise God, I do, hallelujah. I'm done with dead sermons, dead preachers, dead songs, dry religion, hallelujah. Thank God I got on fire 36 years ago. I'm still on fire. Woo, hallelujah. I can still shout. I can still run. I can still praise him. I can still dance in the Holy Ghost. I've got something that's real. I can witness. I can pray. I can take authority over devils. This thing is still good in my soul. Give him praise if you would. Woo. 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 Hallelujah. Let me, let me settle down. I want to say this. Yesterday, Joe asked me, he said, why isn't it like it used to be? He'd been reading about Smith Wigglesworth, the apostle of faith and healing in his time. D.L. Moody, who worked in a shoe store. Somebody led him to the Lord. D.L. Moody got to praying. Well, I read it, his account, walking down the street in Chicago. And he said he was walking down the street and he said he was praying, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know what to, I don't know what to expect. Don't know what to, what to think, but I need your power. And he's walking down the street in Chicago and said the Lord spoke to him and said, there's a house down the street. Go knock on the door. They'll let you in. There's a room where you can pray. He knocked on the door. A sweet little lady answered the door and said, can I help you? He said, ma'am, my name's Dwight Moody. You don't know me. But I'm walking around praying to be filled with the Spirit. And God spoke to me to come to this house. She said, sir, you're welcome here. We have a prayer room. He said, I walked into that room, shut that door, fell on my knees and began to cry out. And suddenly the power of God overwhelmed me. His words were, I lost my English. Hallelujah. And begin to pray with groanings that couldn't be uttered. I didn't know what was happening, but I walked out there filled with the power of God. And in a day without television, radio, electricity, or microphones, Dwight Lyman Moody won over a million people to Jesus Christ with crusades that, are you hearing me? My God, we need the Holy Ghost in our churches today. And he said... Why isn't it like that anymore? And I said, well, we've seen glimpses and hints of it. And I said, don't misunderstand me. There are sovereign moves of God. 
that are contemporary to a day to establish something. I said the healing movements of the 40s with A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts. Gail had a cousin. Her and Faye and Lonnie and all them had a, had a cousin. Raymond's aunt, I believe. Eula Hager, Raymond's aunt. And Eula told me this story years ago when I had just first gotten saved and got filled with the Spirit. And she was sick and I'd went over to the house. They'd asked me to come over and pray for her. And we were talking and after we prayed, she was up in years. Not long after that, she'd go on to be with Jesus. And she is a saved woman. Love God. And she told me this story. She said, A.A. Allen had the radio ministry from Miracle Valley out west that went across the country. And she said, I got sick and didn't know what was wrong. And she said, she had a tumor inside of her that began to swell. And she said, I looked like somebody that was near to delivery of child. She said, it was so far out. But I wasn't with child. And she said it was a tumor. And said, I said oh, A.A. Allen was preaching one night. Hallelujah. <laughs> and said, A.A. Allen walked out on the stage at Miracle Valley. And he was say, he'd always come out singing. He sung a song. When he got done singing, he said, I'm going to preach. But just before I do, the Lord showed me a vision and gave me a word. And I'm going to share it. He said, there's a woman sitting in a red chair in Kentucky with a blue flowery dress on. She said, there I was in the red chair with the blue flowery dress on. He said, you look like you're great with child, but God said it was a tumor and you're not with child. He said, ma'am, lay your hand on your belly and the other hand on the radio and I'm gonna rebuke that in Jesus' name. And he didn't pray a big long prayer. She said he just, she laid her hand on her belly, the other hand on the radio and said, he said, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost be gone. And she said, my hand literally went, Oh, hallelujah. My God, we had us a shouting spell. <laughs> hallelujah. And, and so there, was, there were things that, that were contemporary to ages. Catherine Kuhlman, Benny Hinn, some of the others. I know there's always controversy surrounding their lives sometimes. They said A.A. Allen died, died drunk in a hotel room. R.W. Shambach came up under his ministry. Shambach said it was not the truth, that it was a lie the media told on the man of God. He just died suddenly. And uh, Catherine Kuhlman had an adulterous affair after having a ministry that went across the country and around the world of healing. She mentored Benny Hinn. And uh, uh, you, you look at people's lives. They can fall. But how many knows that doesn't change the fact that God's power is still real and we need it in the church today. Amen. I'm not going to preach there. Come back tonight. I'm going to preach on why sometimes the baptism turns out to be a disappointing experience. You need to hear it. How many know people have been baptized in the Holy Ghost and then fail? And got disappointed and became carnal. I'm going to preach on that tonight. Hallelujah. Let me go on. And so, number one, the, the disciple, like the disciples. Can, can I say that? Let's be like the first guys. The, the acts of the apostles and the gospel of Jesus is our... Is our, our uh, our manual for Christian living, the epistles, the New Testament. And, and, and Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul was a Pentecostal man. Are you hearing me, Phil? Uh, Ananias laid hands on him. His blind eyes opened and he got the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? And so 
These early apostles, disciples, the Lord, John the Baptist, Joel the prophet, they all gave us a guideline to follow. So that's who I want to follow. Are you? I want to follow some, some uh, Dr. Do-Good with a, with a degree that, that denies the power of God. Hmm. Let me go on. Let, let me clarify something here. Can I tell you something? I, I believe that, that there are great Baptist preachers and Methodists and Nazarenes. Lord, there are even Catholics that have got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're anointed and they do great things for God. Are you with me? So I just want to clear the air. I'm not shooting at nobody. I told you I'm not here to argue with nobody. I'm just here to preach the word of God. That's all I'm here to do. I'm here to tell you about what Pentecost is. So, number one, like the disciples, dear Lord, I got to hurry. I've just got through my introduction. It's time to go home. How many give me just a few minutes? All right, hallelujah. Like the disciples before Pentecost, somebody say before Pentecost, we must long for the power of the Holy Ghost in our church and in our lives. We've got to understand they were in one place, they were in one accord. And uh, the Bible said in Acts chapter 1, they were 10 days praying, setting the business of the church, replacing Judas. They were getting everything ready because Jesus had told them in Luke 24, 49, he said, don't depart from Jerusalem. Tarry there till you're endued with power from on high. In Acts 1 and 4, Jesus being assembled together with him just before he left, folks. I mean, you know what Jesus left the church? He left them two promises. I'm coming back and I'm gonna send the Holy Ghost in a little bit. And so in Acts 1 and 4, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. He told them all about the Holy Ghost. All through John chapter 15 and 16 and 17, several times Jesus would tell them in Luke's gospel, Mark's gospel that was recorded, he'd tell them, you'll get the power in my name. When you believe, you'll speak in tongues, you'll cast out devils, you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. If you drink any death, thing it won't hurt you you can take up serpents that don't mean bring a box to church that means if one comes out of the fire like it did Paul and the bite and fastens on you shake it off in the fire and go on in the power of the Holy Ghost are you with me glory and so like those disciples, we must long for the power in our lives. We need him to come powerfully into our midst like he did in verses one through three. We need him then to fill us like he did them in verse four. We need him to impact our society like he did in verses five through 13. The word spread and they came. It was noised. What's going on? These men are full of, the, of new wine. They're drunk. No, no, they're not. Somebody said, listen, they're speaking the great mysteries of God. And these Parthenians, Medes, and people from Mesopotamia and Egypt and all over the world. You gotta understand they were Jewish by bloodline, but they'd been born in foreign countries. And the only language they knew was the language where they were from. But and these guys, all they knew was Galilean. But they're standing up under the power of the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in languages that every voice in the world could have understood. And they're said, they're talking about the great mysteries of God. Are you hearing me? The Bible said the mystery of God is 
is this, that Jesus was, was a, a conceived of a virgin, born in a manger, came and walked among men, showed the power of God, died, rose again, was watched by angels, sat down at the right hand of God, sent back the Holy Ghost, and, and the scripture said, angels desire to look into this. It's a powerful thing. And so, we got to understand, like them, they, they were hungry. They wanted God in their midst. They wanted God in them. They wanted to impact a society. And uh, number two, like the disciples, now I said before Pentecost, they were hungry for it. Like the disciples then at Pentecost, we must understand what the power will mean in our lives and our church. Can I tell you something? Getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost is more than speaking in tongues. It's more than prophecy and gifts. It's more than shouting. Somebody said it's fruit. It's more than fruit. I know people that have got gifts and got fruit but no power. Are you with me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can have all the fruit. You can have enough fruit to make a fruit salad in the spirit. Hallelujah. You can have all the gifts, speak with tongues of angels and men, and have not love, and it mounts to nothing. Are you hearing me? i tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for a church that doesn't just want fruit, doesn't just want gifts. They're not selfish. They want power. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. A church that's got power is a growing church church, a soul winning church, a church that's turned down the devil's playhouse. Hallelujah. Glory. Pentecostals have, help me Lord, I'm a Pentecostal. But Pentecostals have become self-righteous, judgmental, legalistic people that want to look down their nose at somebody else and could give a hoot if the world goes to hell. That's not everybody, that's just some of them. But some of them are saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, on fire for God, love Jesus, love souls, and want to do something for God more than they want to suck air in their lives. Are you hearing me? Some are like that. Let me go on. Number two, so they, they, we, we've got to understand what the power will mean in our lives and to our church. It will mean following a biblical pattern. Like they did, Peter stood up, verse 14, lifted up his voice and said, listen, all you people, everybody, and hearken to my words, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's just nine o'clock in the morning, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will see dreams. Verse 18, I'll pour out on my servants and my handmaidens. Of my spirit, they'll prophesy. What was he saying? He said, I want you to understand the biblical plan is get saved then get filled with the Holy Ghost, then become preachers and workers of gifts and miracles and signs and wonders and go out and shake the world. Do you know it was recorded that that early church in just a little while, it was said of them, they have turned the world upside down. No, sir, they turned it right side up. The devil already was taking it to hell and Jesus was being preached. Amen, everywhere men would listen. Are y'all with me? Am I doing all right? Nudge somebody beside you and say, he's just about done. I'm about to land this airplane here just in a moment. I, I, I seen a, a collective sigh of relief. Somebody thought he's going to preach all day. Let, let me go on. Do you understand? What does it mean to, to, to move in a biblical pattern? Listen to what Paul said. 
to young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also. See if this isn't where we are today. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Does that describe our society? Listen, it gets worse. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. He goes on and says some other things that kind of prop up what he was saying there. But then in verse 14, he says to Timothy, but continue thou in the things, the biblical pattern, the things you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. Hallelujah. I tried to tell me I went off the deep end. Uh, they had them try to tell me that. I've had them try to tell me that, that I was doctrinally incorrect. And I've tried to tell them, listen, I preach what the Word of God says. I've experienced what the Word of God said. I've got what John and Jesus and Joel and Paul and, and all the prophets promised. I've got the promise of the Father and Jesus It's the last thing he said. You can have it. Are you hearing me? I don't think I'm the only duck in the puddle. But if you look close, I've got webbed feet and wet feathers. Glory to God. I know what this thing is. It's real. Hallelujah. I'll never turn back. I'll never give it up. I'll never quit it because God did it and it's good enough for me. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. The biblical model. Well, preacher, what do you mean? That was just in Acts 2. No, in Acts 8. Philip went down and preached in Samaria. The Bible said when the apostles, remember that's the original guys. That's the foundation of the church. Oh, but now preacher, they didn't have a, a degree. They were just ignorant and unlearned. They weren't part of our fellowship. Well, they were ignorant and unlearned. But whenever they came to town, people took note of them. They'd been with Jesus. That's what your Bible said, because they'd cast out devils, heal the sick. They'd preach the gospel, and people get saved, and people get full of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So uh, Philip went down to, he was a deacon, went down to Samaria and preached a, a meeting. And the Bible said in Acts 8 and 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not fallen on any of them. They were just, they, they believed and got baptized in the name of the Lord. Are you hearing me? They got saved. So there was something else needed. Then they laid their hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. Later, Peter went to Cornelius' house, a Gentile, a, a soldier, a Gentile with about 100 people in his house. And Peter started preaching about Jesus because the Lord had showed Cornelius a vision. He showed Peter a vision at the same time. And he went to his house and he was a man that prayed a lot. And the Bible said he gave a lot of money. He was a good man. And the Bible said that, he, I believe he was a saved man. And the scripture said that, that Peter went down there, hallelujah, and while he was preaching. And it said in verse 44 of Acts 10, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. In Acts 11, the Jewish brethren got upset because Peter went down with some Gentiles and they was questioning about it. You know what Peter said? Who was I that I could withstand God? I saw him get the Holy Ghost like we did in the beginning in the upper room. And he said, I know they got it because I heard them speaking in tongues and prophesying. 
And somebody told me, he said, well, speaking in tongues was just for the upper room because all of those Jews were there from all, no, 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 no. It happened at Samaria. It happened at Cornelius' house. It happened a little bit later on. I'm telling you, and thank God, 36 years ago, it happened to me at a Church of God camp meeting. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues for three days, and I'm not ashamed of it, don't care who knows it. But that wasn't all that happened to me. Let me go on. In Acts 19, Paul, passing through Ephesus, comes into the upper coast and he finds some disciples of John. And the first thing Paul says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We didn't know there was a Holy Ghost. You know, you know why a lot of people don't have the Holy Ghost? Joe, the reason why a lot of people don't get it because they don't know about it or they don't understand it or they've had a lifetime of preaching telling them they didn't need it. Are you with me? I believe we need to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. I, I, I wanna, can, I, can I just tell you, don't worry so much about speaking in tongues as you are about being filled with God's Holy Spirit. And you really get hungry to get filled the tongues will come. That's just the initial evidence. That's just, that's just, a, that's just a, 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 can I, can I say it? That's a small part, but it's a part that people have trouble with. People have trouble with manifestations. They have, they have trouble if you shout or if you jerk or quiver a little bit or your shoulders move, you know, or, oh boy, that's emotionalism. No, emotionalism's painting your face blue and putting a basketball goal around your head and screaming when somebody shoots a three. That's emotionalism. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I've got it. Hallelujah. And the old Raven Hill said, boys, when the power of the God of heaven gets on you, he said, something will wiggle, something will move, something will have to give way. Oh, hallelujah to God. It's real. If you believe it, give him a shout of praise. <laughs> Glory. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. Uh, Acts 19 and 6 Paul found them guys he laid his hands on them the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied number three number three I'm, I'm usually three points and I'm done number three is it like the disciples and I told you the disciples before Pentecost the disciples at Pentecost and like the disciples after Pentecost after Pentecost how many remembers when you got saved how many are still happy that you guys say? But how many knows the moment you got saved, every moment since then has been after you got saved? Think about me now. Think about that now. And, then, and when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, every moment since then has been after my Pentecostal experience. But it's still real in my life. Your salvation still real? I wonder how many got saved 30 years ago. Wave at me or longer. 40 or 20, 10, 5, last week, a year ago. What, how many are still saved? Woo! I mean, it's still changing your life, isn't it? Well, so will the baptism. So, like the disciples after Pentecost, we can expect to be transformed by the Spirit coming in power to our lives and our church. What happens when the church gets filled with the Spirit and believers are baptized in the Holy Ghost? Sinners 
began to sense the presence of the Spirit. They came running and said, what's this? What's happening? Verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. They heard this. They were pricked. They were convicted. Remember when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus? He was Saul of Tarsus. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. That's a word that means an ox goad. A jagged, a sharp stick that they would jag an animal to make it go the way. And, and so uh, they, they were pricked. They were, they were stabbed in their heart by what they heard. Conviction came. And, and then it said, and uh, they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you and to your children and all that are far off. That shoots down the theology. It was just for the apostles. And just for the early church gathered there. For you and your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Number one, sinners will sense the presence of the Spirit in our midst. Number two, our altars will be filled with people calling on Jesus. Verse 41 says 3,000 got saved. Number three, our church will be strong and powerful. We'll be strong in unity. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking bread and in prayer. Can you say amen? We'll be strong in in spiritual power. The Bible said in verse 43, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Number four, we'll be strong in spiritual love and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as they had need. Are you hearing me? Number five, we'll be filled with joy. Verse 46 said, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, broke bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I want to tell you that church, they were persecuted, imprisoned, oppressed, but they were not discouraged, downhearted, never did they lose their joy. My God, they died shouting praises to God. Are you hearing me? Come on, Nick, I'm closing. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the church became an unselfish community of goods, compassion, and power. I want to say that again. The church filled with the Holy Ghost became an unselfish community of goods, compassion, and power. In Acts 1 and 6, after Jesus had told them, wait for the promise of the Father. It said when they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Here's the selfishness of that. God, are you going to, are you going, Jesus, are you going to deliver our nation? Are we going to get out from under Roman oppression now? Is that what this is all about? Man, their, their vision was so narrow. And that was before they got the Holy Ghost. Verse 7, he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his power. Listen, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, your your area in Israel, but also in Samaria where a self-respecting Jew wouldn't dare walk amongst that bunch of half-breeds. That's the way they felt about them. Then to the uttermost part of the world, A Holy Ghost-filled church has a global vision for the world. 
It ain't me and my four no more. But it's that crackhead on the other side of town, that heroin addict. It's that, fa- that family living out yonder in those projects that, that has to come to the food bank so, so a church, so a Christian can feed them. It's, it's those that, are, that, that have come up with no means and, and been, just been, uh, they've, they've got a mindset of poverty. They need somebody that's found the riches of heaven to come breaking into their life. Instead, we've become a church of what can I get out of it? Ministries have made millions on TBN selling selfish religion. And I'm not downing anybody. I'm just saying that it's wrong when a church cares more about what I can get than about a soul going to hell. It's wrong. It's just wrong. I watched Linda. Where you at, Melinda? Melinda. Norval Heisel. A team in Zambia when we'd walk in those orphanages. Them little dirty-faced black children with rags on for clothes that might get one good meal a day would just run. And I watched these women didn't care they was dirty and stunk. Had them little babies. just right it'll cause you to care and to love a world the world of paganism atheism it's on the news this morning that a man in North Korea an American got arrested because he left his Bible in a hotel room and the media people were saying well we wonder if he left it there on purpose I just about guarantee he did he wanted somebody to pick up the truth maybe change a nation. Are you hearing me? If the church closes its mind to that 1040 window, if the church closes its mind to the neighbor next door, if the church loses sight of people that need God, it's wrong. It's just wrong. But a spirit-filled church it's more than a tongue-talking church. More than a shouting church. Why does the Pentecostal movement seem to be off track in a lot of areas? The idea of God was not a separate group who spoke in tongues and saw manifestations and gifts. The idea of God is a functioning universal body called the church, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in love after the Spirit and reaching the lost every day. And then Paul asked the question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And if the answer is yes, are you still on fire? Have you still got a burden? Do you care about souls? If the answer to that is no, and I wouldn't ask you, I would no way in the world would I ask you to answer that publicly. But I'll say this if the answer to that question is no, you need to be refilled with the Spirit of God. Pentecost, the outpouring. It's still here. Stand with me. And set our hearts on you, Lord, come and do. We 
hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.